The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. M. Luciano. Whose dick is swinging where and what are they hitting? And who's swinging it and who's holding it? And Michael Lucas. I think of a very fat white man being covered in animal fat for some sort of roasting procedure. This is M. Salation. And if we are both ever nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars <laughs> and then I win, you will stand in the audience and scream, oh, He doesn't! He doesn't have kids! You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a maximalist power queen, a podcaster, and you're a diverse magic brain. And together with my best friend since I was 11, award-winning screenwriter and podcaster, Mr. Michael Lucas, I bring you this offering every Thursday. What is that noise? Are you joking? A wood chipper? It's my neighbour, it's not Scott. I mean, imagine. Imagine if Scott had a wood chipper. It would be quite amusing. For long-time listeners of this, you know, my husband tends to wait until I have to record something to, like, say, I don't know, get on the roof and start 15 leaf blowers. Oh, what I'm going to do to you. God. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, how's your week been? How are you? Have I even asked you that? Let me put on my Madge from Neighbours the matron from a country practice bet Midler vibe voice and ask you, how are you? Oh, take a deep breath. Here we are together. I'm good. I, oh, the studio fell through that we were going to rent out for emsolation. That's okay. Onwards and upwards. I'm furiously looking for a creative space to make my own. I eventually want to bring other creatives in too. I want to make a whole like, you know, I don't know, Andy Warhol warehouse creative space, but, you know, with less like acid and LSD trips and more kind of a tea station. You know what I'd love? A tea. We don't sell tea. You know, (laughs) maybe a dream board. I don't know. I definitely want a mural and some plants. And every time I go and look at a space when I love it, like if I've looked at two this week and I've loved them both and, and then I start planning how I want the space to look, you know, I get on Pinterest, I make my boards and oftentimes I don't rent the spaces, but that's half the fun, isn't it? So would you be finished? Nah, nah, we'll just let that fade into the background. That's fine. I mean, it's not like I have the kind of brain that will just attach itself to that sound. Yes, I have ADHD for our newcomers. We have a lot of new listeners, actually. I noticed our numbers have bumped up again. Welcome. If you're starting here, brave of you, but go back. We have so many great episodes for you to go back on, but I do have ADHD and autism and I go on a lot of mental side quests and sometimes there are strange things that I absolutely cannot handle. For instance, this morning I had a a, a fairly crossword with my husband because I can't handle, oh God, I'm really letting you in. Is it, what are they, wood chipping a body? God. Recording a podcast in here, guys, very important. Wish my neighbours could hear me. They can't. I, um, what was I saying? Wait, I've got to rewind it. What was I saying? 
Hang on, I'm rewinding. I can't remember. Wait, I'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, we're temporarily experiencing difficulties. Please stand by. Oh, yeah. So one of my symptoms is that I literally went back and listened to what I was saying, is that I can't, I have weird sensitivities to sound. Oh, for fuck's sake. What are they putting in there now? An entire wombat? What do you got? Can you hear that? <sighs> you probably can't even hear it. I'm probably so crazy. Um, what was I saying again? Oh, yeah. I can't handle mobile phone speaker noise. You know when someone plays you a video and the sound comes out of the tiny shitty little iPhone speaker? I can't do it. It makes me want to hurt things. And Scott sits there in the morning and plays all stupid videos on his phone out loud and I've been enduring it, enduring it for 20 years. Where's my medal? And I finally I said to him this morning, do you know what? That's a noise that I absolutely, it triggers me. I cannot do it. I, I, there's something about the way it sounds, it really, it sets nerves off. And there are lots of other things, by the way. But this is just symptoms of being ADHD. This is part of, yeah. Anyway, so (laughs) why was I saying that? That's who I am as a person. If you're new here, get to know that. You know, I realised that on April the 9th, we're having our second birthday. And I went and looked at what day April the 9th is and realised it's a Saturday night. So I think we should probably have a party. I just love surprises. I'm so freaking effing excited. And I think some of you should come. And I don't want to say too much. I already have. I did send a group all email to the Emsolation team saying, I think we need to have a live second birthday extravaganza on April the 9th. <laughs> we just need to find a venue and, you know, how hard is that going to be during Comedy Festival in Melbourne on a Saturday night? It'll be fine. Not my problem. Someone else is taking care of that. So just maybe pop April 9th in the back of your mind. Maybe you just remember you've got a date with Em and Michael. And if you attended the Emsolation Christmas special, you know you are in for a wild old time. Imagine what's going to happen at the second birthday celebration. Two years heading into our third. We love to see it. All right. That's going to be enough for me because I want to leave enough time for the end because our voicemails this week got spicy. One of you sent in a love nundrum around not really sure how to handle the fact that your partner has become another child, basically. They're not pitching in, they're not pulling their weight and you wanted my opinion. And for anyone who saw my Rage and Rainbow stand-up special, you know I have many opinions on this, musical ones in fact, so I want to leave enough room for that at the end. Michael and I are about to chat about the Janet Jackson doco that dropped this week. We talk about, um, and just like that, the Sex in the City reboot ending and our hopes for the second season. I finally figured out what was bothering me about this reboot and we end on Gladys allegedly calling ScoMo, Gladys Berejiklian, former New South Wales Premier, allegedly calling the current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, a horrible, horrible person in a leaked text exchange. And we end on one of the most interesting things you are ever going to hear about Anthony Albanese. Albo finally has some edge. And I really want what I suggest to happen. You're going to hear, but I'm going to tell you something about Albo I bet you didn't know. All right. Is that enough hooks for you? We call those hooks in the industry. This has been a wild intro. I really wanted to be professional because I know we have a lot of new emsolators and I wanted you to come in and go, my God, this is so professional. And I think maybe because I wanted to make a professional, my brain was like, aha, okay, bitch, and went completely the other way. But that's all right. It's part of the charm. Don't worry. It is, I am an agent of chaos, but I'm an agent of organized chaos sometimes. I'm bringing in Michael now. Play the music. (laughs) 
M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Welcome, Michael Lucas. Now, we were up texting late into the night last night and then first thing, which isn't that unusual, but it got heated last oh, night. It certainly did. <laughs> we are here today to discuss the Janet Jackson doco that has just dropped on Stan and aired in the States. You've been very private about your personal life up until now. Why did you want to do this documentary? It's just something that needs to be done. Who is Janet Jackson? Oh, Janet Jackson's many, many women. She's an empowered woman. She's a legend. She's a blueprint. She is a warrior. The greatest show woman. She's literally done it all. She is a lot of the image that is out today. Janet is very private. For her to want to open up, I'm flabbergasted. Four-part series, and in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we take four episodes because there's so much <laughs> to discuss. She's been there our whole lives, oh, and it turns out mate. we've got opinions. We do, and also I think because she is such a private person and did retreat around the time social media happened, I think I'd forgotten how much Janet Jackson is woven into the rich tapestry that is my sense of style, music, choreography. Mm. And I just want to say I want you all to envisage, you know, a nine-year-old M in a black baseball cap and black leotard with black leggings mm. doing a fully choreographed routine for her parents to Black Cat Nine Lives, Short Days, Long Lives, Living on the Edge, Not Afraid to Die. <laughs> so, <laughs> and can anyone hear the start of Rhythm Nation Three. without doing the? Dun, 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 oh. dun, dun, no, dun, well, for me, it's dun, like the fingers which dun, I never dun, got right. Which was one, five, two, four, three, and then no, five, oh, five four, that's right. three. See, yeah, it's weird fingers. But it two, was so cool. One, I still remember. Five, I still remember four. the first time seeing that video clip. Five, four, three, two, one. We're going to have ourselves. So Janet is, yes, the four-hour doco, and I would like to call it a very shallow dip into the murky waters of the Jackson family story because it was extremely curated. She was an EP on it with her brother, Tito. Mm. Was Tito? And she was more, she didn't drop a lot of bombshells. She more just kind of gave blow-by-blow descriptions of what it was like growing up in that family. I started crying three minutes in when she's in the back of the SUV and they're driving into Gary, Indiana, and they she sees the mural that's been painted of her brothers. Yeah. Oh, look, I've never seen this. Turn the camera around, Ben. There's a mural of my brothers. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. They're all looking upward. Except for Mike, he's looking straight up. And I, that was it. She started crying and she oh. set me off. I, Me too. But I kept crying consistently throughout mm. and it was the poignancy mm. of the story and how complicated your feelings are about the story now but also mm. I'm, I, you know of course you, it's often when you're crying you're just grieving yourself and I I guess I have forgotten how much her music made an impact on me I feel like for some reason her music even though it's banger after banger after banger hasn't sort of found its place in retro pop culture the way that you would imagine and even when I checked on Spotify because I of course I went and started like listening to all oh, their old stuff. Over and over. It's all I've been playing all morning. It's interesting because her tracks, like, you know, they've like they've had like 80 million spins and stuff, but that's 
like Madge's tracks have had 300 million from that era. So yeah. why is it that people aren't, what happened? I mean, I know there are some things that happened. Well, I mean, look, let's just reflect truly. So she had two albums, two solo albums, Janet Jackson and Dream Street, which both were kind of not what she wanted to do. Joe made her do them. They were, they were ditzy pop, like it, it it wasn't good. For me, they're in and the category of like, you know that Alanis did some teen albums yeah, before Janet, and they're irrelevant. Yeah. They're irrelevant. They weren't great. And then finally she decided in 86 to sack her father mm-hmm. and she made an album called Control. And I remember my auntie having the cassette of Control mm. and it's the red front cover. I can see it vividly. Mm. And hearing what have, have you done, done for me, me lately. Oh. Ooh, yeah. Just and going, oh, what is this feeling? And then I loved her and I, and I was aware of her. But then in 89, when Rhythm Nation came oh, out. We were primed. It was absolute prime time because we were, yeah, like we were we were 10, probably emotional yep. age six, but thinking that we were 15 and ready yep. to start a revolution. And then Janet Jackson appeared in a black cap with her perfect synchronised moves. And what I love about in the show, in the doco, we, going back to control, she handpicked Paula Abdul, who was a Laker girl at the time, mm. to choreograph that all-important shift that she made from teeny bopper, part of a family pop group, into serious female music pop icon. And just have a little listen to Paula here just talking about how, you know, she wanted to mother Janet. I was noticed by the Jackson brothers. And the brothers told me that Janet wanted to meet with me. I felt like I'm going to be able to nurture her and and just take care of her. I just loved her off the bat. Paula, they did a lot of talking heads, obviously. Weirdly, Barry Bonds was in there, who you won't know who he is. He's a baseballer and he had like one line in four hours, which was strange, mm. where he referenced himself. Mm. But they had people like Samuel L. Jackson, Mariah Carey, Janelle Monet. Like it was it was an amazing lineup. Whoopi Goldberg, she popped in briefly. Oh, she was great. She mm. was great. It felt like they underutilised the talking heads. <laughs> it felt... Oh, he could have gone for twice as long. As far as I was concerned, mm. four hours was not enough. Yeah. So Rhythm Nation came out and, of course, I had to nail the breakdown. It's time to give a damn, let's work together. It's time to give a damn, let's work together. That whole bit was just, like, electrifying. Can I just ask, where do you stand on her voice, though? Because because I, I know she's, like, she's a really good singer, but she's not the typical kind of voice that you really like. Like, it's 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 kind of a light, high voice, and whereas you like a voice with real, you like a crazy set of pipes. But she doesn't have the range. But I also love neo-soul R&B as a genre. And I have another favourite singer called Neo who has a similar vibe of singing. But Janet, Janet still has that tone in there, even though it's quite high and sometimes she goes quite light, when she really rips in, like, and just... I just love everything she stood for. It was enough. It, she's an, she's enough of a vocalist for me to, to hook in. Mm. But also the showmanship. Oh, unimpeachable. Oh, she knew what it took to put a world-class tour together. And it was after she saw Michael, she flew to see Michael live and I loved that footage and you can tell it lit a fire in her because she hadn't toured. She'd sold something like um, 8 million or 80 million singles. Of ra- 8 million records. or 80 million, eight, yeah, somewhere in there. Something. 
something with an eight and a million, and she'd never toured. Like, it was wild. Yeah. So can we just talk about Rhythm Nation, though? Let's just run through the tracks, the hits. Mm. She had the only five number one, Billboard number ones from Rhythm Nation. So she Rhythm Nation. Miss You Much. Love Will Never Do. Escapade. Black Cat. Like on any other album, Black Cat would just be the lead. I can't believe it was that late in the run. Yeah, yeah. And I also, there's a bit where, going back to the doco, where her and Michael, and this footage made me, it's iconic footage. It's like watching the Beatles or watching Elvis Ryder. I don't know. It's just casually Janet and Michael in this weird little rundown apartment that Michael apparently owned in New York, writing screen together and just bouncing off each other. And he says to her, I want you to sing it like you sung Black Cat. What, what was your opening piece? I just want to write yours down. So I'm tired of injustice. I'm tired of the scheme. Your lies are disgusting. So what does it mean? Okay, wait, let me write. When kicking me down. When kicking me down. I got to get up. I got to get up. As bad as it sounds. As bad as it sounds. The whole system. Is yeah. bad. Or so, what was his, what I think was I was his, saying. Is that the whole I system? Mother's going to love us with this song. I told you not to do this, Janet. She insisted. He tied <laughs> my hand behind my back. I did not want to do a song like this. Okay, what, what else did you put? It was his song. And I was there to support him. You know, obviously Michael Jackson and that whole story is extremely problematic and still divides people and he was accused of awful things and the documentary very much maintains his innocence, as does she. Mm. After Rhythm Nation in 1993, she released Janet, Drop the Jackson. And do you remember? It was Janet with a full stop. And for me, I remember thinking, okay, she's separating herself from that family. Mm. Like she's done. She, She doesn't want any, she just wants to be there on her own terms. And that album, that's the way love goes. Mm. Rob <laughs> again also performed an interpretive dance routine to that at our school assembly. Won't somebody please think of the children? Oh, I still remember Central Australia trip. I remember, I think it was Megan Marshall and Kylie Jones, we all had to do karaoke on the bus and they got up and sang Throb and the teachers had to <laughs> intervene and say, okay, that's enough. Sit down. Sit down, please. <laughs> <laughs> and what else? That's not all. There's more, isn't it? Again. Down, 
Yeah, yeah, I remember. Then we moved to 97 Velvet Rope and it's my favourite Janet album. Yeah, me too. Me too. Although, weirdly, I'm apathetic towards Together Again, even though it's one of her biggest songs. I'm a bit sort of like, oh, it's just happening, yeah, fine. But I love the other ones, Got Till It's Gone. We go D. Oh, we go D. I get lonely. Oh. There's so many. Oh, Our cover God, of this... Tonight's the Night, a creepy ah! Rod Stewart song, but she makes it so amazing. Oh. So, so I saw Velvet Rope. I saw I that show. I regret oh it. Oh, my God. It was. It opened with, I can still see it, it opened with the song Velvet Rope. I remember walking away from that thinking, there's only three concerts I've seen where I walked away truly changed. John Peter Farnham, obviously. Oh, Farley Glenn Wheatley as a sidebar. Mm-hmm. John Peter Farnham's long-term manager passed away of, from COVID complications. Mm. Glenn Wheatley, mm. it's too much for me to go into right now. I'm pinning that sidebar. That side quest is being halted. But I do want to acknowledge it because I've got a lot of messages because anytime John's mentioned, obviously I'm mm. people are sensitive mm. to John Peter Farnham that I love him so much and let's not even go there. So Janet Jackson and Prince, they're the three shows that I saw that I was like, but that Velvet Rope show. Not Beyonce. Oh, no, Beyonce because you're a bit too old by then. Like it, it wasn't, you were yeah, too old. Yeah, I wasn't for, in those prime developments. Also, you probably watched so many Beyonce concerts on, you know, video before then. Yeah, mm. yeah, I had. But it's interesting, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think she's got, I don't, I don't think she gets enough worship about how good in particular Control, Rhythm Nation, Janet and Velvet Rope and how they just produced so many hits. For us, she's huge because our teenage, I feel like entry into teenagerhood was Rhythm Nation and then Janet oh. hit right in the middle of it and then we, towards the end of our teenage years, still still mm. a few more to go, mind you, we had Velvet <laughs> Rope. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but it, it is, I mean, obviously part of it is because she's been so overshadowed by everything to do with her Although I wouldn't say she's overshadowed, but her brother looms so large and Thriller will always probably be the biggest selling album in history and and also the controversy around him was so white Mm. hot. But then she had her own controversies as well, which is sort of complicated things at the end, although they seem so pissy now. Well, yeah, the nipple thing. I mean, obviously that had to be mentioned. The whole Janet Jackson's nipple got a whole episode Mm. and rightly so. There has been so many think pieces written around whether or not she knew about the nipple exposure. And what I feel like is being overlooked is the fact that who cares? It's yeah. a nipple. Oh, totally. You can trace back her career. She got she got banned from the Grammys. Meanwhile, Justin Timberlake performed. So the Grammys were that week and she was disinvited to the Grammys. Janet Jackson. I know. How dare you? Was disinvited to the Grammys because of that wardrobe malfunction, mm. which I believe Justin Timberlake orchestrated because he wanted to top Britney and Madge at the v- MTV VMAs. There I said it. it w- well, it, look, it was a real era where, like, the 2000s were when the VMAs were going off the hook. They, they, yeah. and, and people were showing up in increasingly outrageous um, outfits and they were doing increasingly wild things on stage. And mm. it felt to me like there might have been a VMAs influence in that Super Bowl halftime show, but very, like, Super Bowl halftime show, you're going out to the families of Red America. It's a very mm. different kind of thing and, and the reaction was brutal and sexist. 
Massively it sexist. Was so sexist. And it very clearly squashed her at a point in her career where she was ready to kind of go again. Mm. And it's a great, I think it's a great modern tragedy of music that this happened to Janet Jackson. Mm. It's a huge miscarriage of justice. And she does go to great pains to say how she told Justin not to say anything and her and Justin are great friends and da-da-da. And I didn't realise that a little time afterwards he did say, I only got 10% of the blame and it's much harder for mm. women of colour and all that. He, he did say that. But also mm. it's funny, isn't it, how much people talk about, oh, we're living in this era of cancel culture. But if you look back then, she was cancelled. That's what she happened. Was she cancelled. was totally cancelled. And the Dixie Chicks were cancelled around that time too. Totally. Was, so the idea that cancel culture is something that happens now that is like there's no historic precedence for is crazy, is crazy. I know. So what we want to say is, what I would say to everyone, go back and revisit. Educate the children. Go and play it to your kids. I'm going to put Janet Jackson on hot rotation here for the next week. So, so good. We'll go away. We'll come back. The final episode of And Just Like That is dropping this week and I finally figured out my real problem with the show. Can't wait. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Okay, Michael Lucas, and just like that has been announced that they're probably getting a second season. Of course, this is the Sex and the City reboot. You and I have complex feelings about this reboot. The only thing that is certain is that we will not stop watching. No matter how complex the feelings get, no matter how dire things go. Oh, no, no. But I think everyone feels the same way. No, it's got its defenders. It does, as I learned over the weekend. I went to dinner. I went to Jamila's house for dinner, my friend Jamila Rizvi, friend of the pod, and there were some other people there. Santilla was there, Claire was there, there was a few people, and inevitably Sex in the City came up because every woman I know is watching it, every gay man, everyone I know is watching Mm. it, put it that way. And... Jamila's like, I love it. I love it. I've come around to it, da-da-da. And obviously I've made my feelings very known. And I said, look, I'm still struggling a lot. And she, Jamila, as she does, she, she was like, why? And I said, I think when I was watching it in 1998, I was 19, right? And they were 40, late 30s. And it was the first time I'd seen women of that age portrayed in such a fashionable, exciting, sexy way And I think I suddenly thought, oh, I'm not kind of dead and buried by 30. There's a life beyond 30. You know, I've always been very aware of my immortality and how much time I have left. So I remember thinking, God, and it was revolutionary and trailblazing. And now I feel like, and just like that, it's like they all took a Valium and they've gone back. Mm. So instead of portraying women in true middle age in their mid-50s, instead of portraying them in an exciting, revolutionary, hopeful way, They're giving them hip operations and no one's having sex and they're going through menopause. And yes, all these things happen, but we've already seen all that. We've already seen those tropes. Mm. We know. Mm. C- you know, can, can, we, can we have sex in the city in our 50s, yeah, please? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I think that's my issue with it. I think that's what it is. We can't get away with the same stuff we used to. <laughs> Meaning blowjobs. Yeah. Well, it's partially, and that's another effect of not having Samantha because you know that if she were there then mm. there would be someone who would be still out having wild sex. And, and, and of course, Samantha would be in her 60s as well by this yeah. stage. Yeah. Because um, yeah. she was about a decade older than the other ones. But, mm. you yeah, know, I, I agree. I, I was surprised that, yeah, that we haven't really 
done many stories about sex, which is, I mean, clear, I mean, they changed the title, so I guess that should have been a hint to us that Why? it wasn't going to be there. Why is it, do they think that women in their 50s, you know, just pop their vibrators in a shoebox in the roof and call it a day? Do we, like, is there a ceremonial removing of the double A's that we just <laughs> fucking pop it off? Oh, maybe do. do we retire our clitoris? Do we detach our clitoris and just hang it on the wall next to the moose heads that someone shot? Like, <laughs> I don't understand why the idea of women over 50 having sex is something that baffles people. Look, I, I agree, but I'm just going to say that the impression of the men, I mean, Big literally had a heart attack and died, and Steve mm. is apparently, they've given him, like, all these hearing problems, and 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 I don't know that it's the most, for people that really struggle with hearing difficulties, I don't know that's the most sensitive impression of it. And also it, it, it it's sort of the way that it's performed and written is like he's, like, the character is written like he's 70 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's truly, it's truly stumped me and I'm not even there yet. But I'm like, as a 40-year-old now watching this show, I'm like, give me some hope, guys. Give, you're finally putting these, you're finally putting women in their, mid, in their midlife on the telly, leading roles. Like, it's great. What, what is this all I've got to look forward to? Fucking hip no. replacement surgery, someone not knowing where my clitoris is and, you know, maybe a problem with alcohol. Like, come on. Also, full respect for you calling yourself a 40-year-old, not a 40-something. Well done, well done, well done. Let's hold on to that. <laughs> I'm younger than you, bitch. You are. We are. We're in that little window of time where I'm a year older than him. <laughs> <laughs> now, C- Cynthia Nixon was recently on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. Andy was great. He actually peppered her with all the issues everyone had and yeah. she came back firing. Have a listen. Is Che Diaz's comedy funny? <laughs> I and Miranda think it is. Okay, okay. Do you understand why fans are so upset about the characters of, about Steve's treatment in this new iteration? I do, but I have to say that um, that's the thing about breakups. You know, oftentimes there's one person that is having making the breakup happen and the other person who is reluctant. But I have to say um, that person who is reluctant is pretty miserable too and they're just not admitting it. Right. How is it possible that Steve wouldn't know how to finger at this point? <laughs> I think uh, it's been a while. Okay. And also they're releasing a documentary behind the scenes on the same day as the last episode, so that'll be interesting to oh, watch. Oh, Jesus Christ, how much? They've got a podcast that details everything. They've got a gazillion magazine articles. They've got a documentary coming out. They are, their additional ancillary features, they've really gone to town. <laughs> they have, they have. That's with the camera. This is not an Instagram opportunity. But, of course, we'll be watching and can't wait for season two, obviously, and maybe Kim Cattrall will be back. They've certainly heavily hinted on the fact they've offered her a butt-ton of money, so maybe... Maybe she can be bored in the end. Who knows? (laughs) Wouldn't that be a beautiful lesson for a show about friendship? Ultimately, if the price is right, Samantha will rejoin the herd. I think it's perfect. Now, before you go, we absolutely would be remiss to not mention the fact that Gladys Berejiklian apparently allegedly called the PM a horrible, horrible person in leaked text messages. It was so wonderful. And I, I, I first became aware of it because she was trending. Just the name Gladys was, was those six letters. They're at number one on Twitter. And, and, and honestly, it, I was like, oh, thank God, again, because she's been too quiet for too long. And I looked in and it did not disappoint. Oh, my God. So Scott Morrison spoke at the press club. He gave a keynote speech on Tuesday. And uh, hasn't Network 10 political editor Peter Van Onselen had a big 
couple weeks. Oh, okay. He needs a four-part series, just tracking everything that's happened. Yes. PBO said that he had got his hands on a leaked text messages. Gladys really needs to get a handle on her fucking phone. I mean... Yeah. Just don't. You'd get a carrier pigeon at this point, wouldn't you? <laughs> Maybe even a carrier pigeon can be bored, I think. <laughs> it was also Dude. so unfair because he's now said that he it was the cabinet minister that leaked it to him and on the proviso that they wouldn't be revealed. So Gladys was just thrown under the bus, completely thrown under the bus. Totally. And PVO said, and the cameras were on ScoMo's face as PVO was saying these things. And it was just this... It's a, just, I, I couldn't look away at the like how he was trying to compose his face. So PVO says... In one, she describes you as, quote, a horrible, horrible person, going on to say she did not trust you and you're more concerned with politics than people. The minister is even more scathing, describing you as a fraud and, quote, a complete psycho. Yeah. So... Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know, really not good. And and excruciating footage of, of ScoMo's face. He really has a default setting for the face when that sort of stuff happens. And mysteriously, it's sort of a strange, I don't give a shit smirk, that, that, but but clearly he does give a major shit. It's just, it's it, it was an excruciating moment. And also, I'm not really, I mean, how is he expected to respond? Like, I mean, what, what are you supposed to say? I mean, he said it. Well, I don't know who you're referring to. Um, or the basis of what you've put to me. Um, but I obviously don't agree with it. He does have resting smirk face, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So he really I'll ask does. you and we'll keep asking each other, who do you think's going to win the next election? Elbow, I think, at the moment, and I feel terrified saying that, but I really do, I, I, and I don't think anything to do, I don't think this Gladys thing has affected things one way or another. I think it's just the general, I don't think that Elbow is going to win it because everyone's, like, obsessed with Elbow. I just think at this point the accumulation of disasters and just the general distaste for ScoMo is is so intense that um, I don't well, know. Well, the greatest thing I found out about Elbow this week is that he's a swing and single. Absolutely. I mean, he doesn't swing, no, but he's single. We don't I mean, have no confirmation on that. And also, yeah, swinging, <laughs> it's not COVID safe. It's not. He's single. So do we need Albo as the next Bachelor? I think this is an interesting... I love it because one of my uh, favourite romantic comedies of all time is The American President with, uh, uh, yeah, Michael Douglas yep. and Annette Benning, yep. where he's the president. Yep. And, and so I really like the notion of, like, I'm already imagining rom-com, except, yeah, Kira Billy House rom-com. <laughs> Elbow. I'd watch that. Oh, my God. I don't know who. I just, I'd be riveted to know who the, you know, who the woman but, would be. I mean, I do love a cross-party romance. Gladys is single. But, oh, no, she's not, actually. I don't think she is. I oh know she's dating that lawyer. Yeah. You know, Elbow being single would be tough to navigate also. Like, have we ever had a bachelor prime minister? It's usually our first lady, whatever our version of that is. Mm. So would he be actively dating while he's leading a country? This is the most interesting thing about Elbow, I have to say, and I've been struggling, but now I know he's single, I'm slightly obsessed. He, yeah. And I also, I want to match him up with people. I want to pair Shayna Blaze. Shayna Blaze is single. She's the interior designer. She's on the block. Mm. She's amazing. I think that Elbow and Shayna would make a nice couple. Now you've got my interest, Elbow. Get your dating, bro. <laughs> I agree. It would be good for. I think the. I think given this nation's love of dating shows, a prime ministerial version of mm. The Bachelor would be 
completely riveting. Just a sitcom. I want to write a TV, like a, a, an eight-episode funny comedy about being the prime minister. The prime minister gets in, he's single, he's newly in office, but he still wants to date and having to be the person to facilitate that. Totally. Like having to be the, yeah, I'd watch that. I would, I would watch that. Yeah, oh. Possibly starring, you know, a quirky mother of three with lots of tattoos. He's Italian. <laughs> Going, okay, babes. Hint, hint. If only I knew someone who was a screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, I know you've got meetings, meetings, meetings coming out the wazoo. We'll chat to you next week. Yes. Hooray. Okay. All right. Bye. This is Emsolation. Well, you've come to the end of our journey almost. Almost. You know now at the end of the Emsolation episodes we need to check the voicemails, she says, like she doesn't already know what's coming up. Remember, if you want to leave a voicemail, you can. All the information and instructions you need are on our Instagram page in the highlights section. We'd love for you to leave us a voicemail. Each week we want to include a new emsolator or emsolators, emsolatai in the show. Just a way of, I don't know, getting you involved more. This week we're just going to hone in on one though, one particular voicemail that was left by emsolator Christy. You have one. New message. Hi, Em and Michael. It's Christy from Brisbane. Long-time fan. I have a relationship dilemma. My husband um, tends to, to be a more like a friend to our, our children um, instead of a dad and a big child instead of a husband towards myself. Um, I'm, I've sent him de- things to, to help out, but unfortunately none of it has helped. Uh, any tips would be great. Love you, guts. Bye. Okay, mate. Take a deep breath in. Now, I, as you will recall, did a stand-up show called Rage and Rainbows, which was kind of around the central theme of why are women of a certain age so angry? And it boiled down to a lot of things, obviously, but one of the things that came up for women who were in relationships was that they felt that the domestic load wasn't evenly shared. And even women who, you know, have full-time jobs, they will come home to another full-time job. And I just want to start off by saying that I want to remind everyone, Christy included, that a relationship, a marriage, a partnership isn't just the love stuff. It's also, once you're living together, all the practicalities of keeping the home fires burning. You know, it's not sexy, but it's the reality of it all. The cooking, the bill paying, the washing, the toilet scrubbing, the pickups, the drop-offs, the vet, vet, you know, the vet trips, all of that stuff. And what I want to start by saying is, Christy, we must never frame having your partner do more as providing you with help. This implies an act of service on that person's behalf, an act of service to the person, you, Christy, who should be doing it, should be in the operative word there. In technical terms, Shall we refer to this as your husband, Christy, doing his fucking fair share? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's right. He's not helping you out. He's doing his, what now, say it with me, his fucking fair share. His FFS, if you will. So what I suggest for you, my darling Christy, is to call a meeting, call a family meeting, sit down, and you need to have a chat and figure out what is actually important to you both. What's your non-negotiables? You know, for me, it's no skid marks in the toilet. It's a non-negotiable. What about wet towels on the ground? How do you feel about that? Dust. How long are you willing to go? What are your standards of hygiene? 
Find out. Because maybe you're on vastly different levels of hygiene standards, first of all. Maybe your partner doesn't even see the stuff that he's doing because it doesn't bother him. Find out. Now, if it's so bad that your husband doesn't have an opinion on those things, stop doing all of the chores. Stop so that he may form one. Do you know what I mean? Do enough to keep you and the kids going. You know, look after you guys. But everything else, stop because he will form an opinion pretty fucking quickly, I promise you that. Once you've done that, make a list, divide and conquer, okay? And make a list of the things that need doing and then both of you put stars next to the ones you actually like. You know, I like vacuuming. I know it's strange, but I do. Scott likes doing the outdoorsy stuff. So it's fine things and maybe your partner likes to do something you hate. So it might be an easily division. So that that's what you need to do. You need to actually... Sit down. And now, Christy, if you do all this stuff and still nothing changes, off to the counsellor you go. You need a mediator. You need to go to have some marriage counselling. If you go to marriage counselling and still nothing changes, well, girlfriend, I think you know the answer. I think everyone knows the answer to that. I hope that's been helpful. It's not easy. And also women are socially conditioned to believe that that is our job. And even, you know, if you're, a, if you're a full-time parent, you're at home and your partner works, it's still not your job to do it all because just if you have kids, that's the full-time part. The other stuff, the person who's gone out to work, they can still come home and do their fair share. Remember, it's about doing your fair share. I'm very passionate about this. You know that. Too many exhausted, wrung out women walking around, angry, drinking the pain away, shopping the pain away, eating the pain away. If you're feeling very, very angry, there's probably a good reason. But this is something you can fix. This is something you can improve by following my simple steps. And I have done enough therapy. Okay, I've done enough therapy to know that these are good, helpful tips. But remember, FFS, fucking fair share. I love you all dearly. I'll see you next Thursday. I'll hear you next Thursday. Make sure you've signed up for the newsletter. It's a magical thing that goes out every Thursday. It's in the highlight section. My daughter Marcella is a social media captain. She runs the Instagram page. Ben, our executive producer, does the newsletter. It's beautiful. Hopefully the next time we chat, I have a studio. Until then, my darlings, tra-ra. No, that didn't work. I was going to try something new. All right, I'm going to work on that. Bye, guys. No, I'm not saying guys anymore. Bye, pals. Bye, emsolators. Bye, supporters. Bye, you fucking legends. A lot of swearing in this outro, soz. I'll work on that. Get passionate, though. I get passionate about people feeling exhausted because another adult in the house is just doing nothing. It's not okay. You deserve better. You deserve better. Play this bit to your other half. If, you, if you've heard me, I was saying goodbye, I know. If you've heard me and this has struck a chord and you've gone, oh, my God, Em, just play this outro. If you're being played this outro right now, if you're in another half, if you're in a relationship and the person opposite you is playing me, my, you're hearing my voice right now, look at her face. Look at their face. I don't want to assume it's a woman, but look at the person who's made you listen to this outro's face. Do you see her? Them? Him? Perhaps? I don't know. Probably not, but I don't want to be exclusionary. Do you see the exhaustion there? You need to you need to step in and do your FFS. Okay. Bye bye. This has been hectic. Sorry, guys. Bye.
Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus occasional technical wizardry, wine, and coffee from M's dad Vincent. Get more Emsolation by following the Emsolation podcast on Instagram, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can join other Emsolators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you love what we do, share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this week's episode, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you.